You're listening to The Boz Show, the socially conscious podcast for leaders. Hey, Anna, how's everything going? It's great. Great to be with you. Welcome to The Boz Show. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you and just learn a little bit about your journey um, and just your background. So I know you are doing work with the United Nations and uh, you're doing a lot of youth projects. Tell me about that. Absolutely. So I'm the Youth Engagement Manager for the United Nations Association of the USA. We're a program of the larger UN Foundation. And we kind of think of ourselves as the best friend to the United Nations. Mm -hmm. We work on a lot of projects to support the UN, to support UN agencies, and to educate the general public about what the UN does and get others on board with that. So within UNA USA, I get to work with our campus chapter leaders who are active at over 120 universities. I get to support our young professionals programming and I get to support our youth observer to the UN. That, that's awesome. And, you know, it's such inspiring work. Um, before I get into trying to understand, you know, how all of it works and all the different moving parts, which is so big. I mean, there's so much happening, right? Um, what led you to this path uh, to being part of this? you know, being in this important position and doing this amazing work? You know, it makes so much sense looking backwards, but I don't think I could have defined it at the time when I was graduating college and, and, and doing my career search. Mm-hmm. But I'll start with high school where I knew I was interested in global issues. I was able to do service trips abroad to South Africa and to China. And I was at a school where I was meeting students from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, From there, went to the College of William and Mary, studied government. So I knew I was interested in in government relations. uh, And I knew I was interested in education. Uh, That was definitely a passion of mine, was supporting quality education for all. Uh, and knew I wanted to end up working in a job, you know, that would make a difference in my mm-hmm. community and in the world. So that led me to knowing I wanted to be in DC. Mm-hmm. And my path from there gets a little bit wonky, <laughs> but it's it all connects back because I got a job with a nonprofit association that supported women health and physical therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is something I knew nothing about, but it was a great job to get me the skills I needed and got me to DC. Mm -hmm. Then I worked at the George Washington University in student affairs, really narrowing down what I wanted my career to be, which was supporting student leaders. Mm -hmm. And then I got this job at the UN Foundation, supporting student leaders, but connecting back to those global issues that I had been so passionate about when I was younger and working at an association, which ironically was my first job out of college, was working at an association. So it all connects back. But at the time, I couldn't have defined this role, but it really was so perfect for me and came at the right time in my career. That's amazing. I mean, I, I think that so many people have the same sort of circumstance, right? They uh, they don't know exactly where they're going to be in 10 years, but they know that the path teaches you. And I think... Um, a lot of times, uh, especially when you're younger, you know, I've been through the same thing as I walked a path and I didn't know where it was going to lead me, but I was, ho- I had sort of a vision of where I wanted to go. Uh, and it sort of adds up in the end, right? After, you know, you go to one step, one step, and then you almost think that, hey, if I was to go back and do it again, I wouldn't want to do, do it right away. I want to go through the entire journey because you pick up so many skills and experiences along the way. Yeah, I think I would have told myself, especially when I was applying for that first job out of college, 
sending so many applications, you know, 80 different applications. I felt so uncertain, but I think I would have told myself just to, to have faith and keep going that if you just continue to gain those skills and be open to new experiences and keep showing what you're passionate about, but maybe what you're passionate about doesn't necessarily have to be reflected in your nine to five right away. You're maybe not going to have that that dream position right away, but it doesn't mean that it's not leading to something bigger in the future. Definitely. And I tell people, you know, keep dreaming because the worst thing you want to do is just give up on your dream and sort of go into the routine, right? Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times people get discouraged early on and, and it could be discouraging. I mean, your early 20s, you know, mid 20s, even your late 20s are even <laughs> discouraging. You know, it just, it's sort of, you know, you, you have to keep dreaming, you know, at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And I think you have to keep being open to new experiences and also keep seeking out those things that really do make you feel inspired and passionate. Uh, again, where I kind of kept my spark going was through volunteering with my alumni association, kind of mm -hmm. staying connected to higher ed in that way uh, and learning through different volunteer opportunities that I took advantage of. So, that's that's amazing. Um, so you so you spoke a little bit about about higher ed student leaders and the United Nations Foundation or uh, the United Nations Association. Um, how do the two? How do the three things come together? And you know how do you empower students? And what issues are they addressing? Yeah, my passion for student leadership development comes from my own experience as a student leader, knowing how much those activities that I did in college really did mean to me. Uh, when I, when they were able to be fulfilling, when I was really able to feel like I was applying my skills to a need, that really was an amazing learning experience. And I mm -hmm. wanted to make sure all students had access to that type of learning experience. So working at GW and DC, I was able to get my master's in student affairs while I was working there, able to get some more experience advising student leaders in that process. And I think the, the interesting thing is knowing that student leadership can sometimes be that safe laboratory where you are allowed to fail and the stakes aren't as high as they will be, you know, when you're out of college or in the future, but you get to experiment, you get to try new things, you get to host events and see who shows up and then learn from that to tweak for the future. And so that's what I spend a lot of time doing now in my role at United Nations Association is working with these student leaders that wanna start a new club on their campus, the United Nations Association, and figure out how to inspire others to get on board with that concept, to connect and see themselves within the UN. And a big way they do that is through the Sustainable Development Goals, and mm -hmm. they do projects around those goals in their community. Mm -hmm. So, um that's amazing. I mean, I remember, I remember the, I remember these clubs on campus when I was younger. But I, um, I wish I got involved back then. I'm happy I'm more involved now. But back then it was um, uh, something that I thought about, but I didn't really fully understand at the moment. Um, and you know, I think the the goals, the sustainable development goals, are amazing. I mean, I, I, when I look back at them, and and you know, just trying to connect work that I'm doing right now to them. I'm just like, why didn't I make the connection earlier? Um, so for the listeners, could you explain what the Sustainable Development Goals are and how they work? Yes, the Sustainable Development Goals, also known as the Global Goals or SDGs for short, are really our global to-do list that the UN has set 
all member states of the United Nations agreed to these 17 goals in 2015. Mm -hmm. And our goal is to accomplish them by 2030. Mm -hmm. And so this whole process of even creating these goals and setting this to-do list didn't just come from the top down. It really was grassroots driven. Private sector had input. The input of over 10,000 Americans through a survey was included. Mm -hmm. Civil society, governments. Uh, and there are things that we can work on right here at home. I think a lot of people think of the UN and think of something that's happening internationally, but there are things here in the US that we need to focus on, quality education, gender equality, reducing inequalities. And so they're really a great framework for how the UN is supporting all countries around the world, including the US in achieving these goals. Mm. So, so how do the students uh, work towards these goals while on campus? Yeah, as UNA USA, we're constantly striving to give them resources and toolkits to make that process really clear. Because mm -hmm. I think, again, where a lot of students struggle is seeing themselves in that bigger picture, seeing how a small action they take locally connects to global progress. Uh, and so what some ways that we, we show that connection uh, is through our service learning tool and our partnership with Interview Technologies, where students can track their service hours as they connect to the SDGs. So volunteering at a food bank, connects to Zero Hunger, doing some tutoring, connect to SDG4. And you see how your hours add up throughout the year. And you can see how your hours on your campus or in your student group add up over time. So that's one really great tool. We also show support and connection to the UN through International Days of Recognition. So coming up uh, this weekend actually is the International Day to End Racial Discrimination. So we're showing how the Sustainable Development Goals and this uh, idea of you know, combating racial inequality is connected to what the UN is doing around the world too, but also of course, a really important conversation that we're having in the US. Mm. So, so, so this is amazing. So you have this sort of network of students across different campuses that are working towards the towards these goals. Um, first of all, how do you how do you keep track of it? I mean, that's amazing. One hundred and you know over a hundred campuses. How do you know uh, what's being effective and how much work someone is doing? Because someone could be inspired and do start a whole you know nonprofit or something, uh, and it could spur into a movement. So it's sort of like you're constantly. Uh, achieving the goals, but you're also inspiring people to build. Yeah, so tracking uh, the impact of our chapters is, is really interesting. If they obviously enter their hours through the interview app, we, we can track that. But we also ask all of our chapter leaders to submit an annual report, which is so important, especially for student leaders, because mm -hmm. they're turning over every semester, <laughs> every year, they're graduating, they're studying abroad. It's so important to keep up that communication with students being such a transient audience. Mm -hmm. So we try to do that through the annual report process, also just through standard social media. We yeah. also have a, a series of peer-to-peer -peer fellows, our campus fellows, who are students who are able to kind of keep that conversation going where students feel most comfortable on Instagram, through text message, whatever way it is comfortable to them, the campus fellows are really those peers who can do some of that outreach and keep us informed of what the great work these chapters are doing. Hmm. So, so that's amazing. I know you mentioned uh, students uh, getting involved on campuses. Now, you, I know you have a young professionals component. How, how does that look? 
Yes, we define young professionals as anyone under the age of 40, and they can be part of either a community chapter or they may be part of a campus chapter, especially if they're in grad school. Uh, we do a lot of career programming for our young professionals. So learning about careers in sustainability, learning about careers at the UN, careers at the State Department, international affairs, and really showing them, again, many young professionals might just want to be part of UNAUSA, not necessarily to work at the UN someday, but just because they had a passion for global issues in college, but maybe or had trouble tapping into that in their day-to-day -day lives. So they want to find a group of like-minded folks that care about global issues, that are, that are passionate and want to continue learning about these issues. I think that thirst for learning doesn't stop when we graduate. We want to keep finding organizations and ways to, to learn together. Uh, and our chapters have really done a great job of, of expanding that during the pandemic, expanding those virtual options and reaching more busy young professionals that may not always have in the past been able to attend these in-person meetings, but maybe are doing more so now. That's amazing. So um, they're able to attend meetings. Um, what are some ways they can get involved and, and get more involved deeper into the work as far as getting engaged with actually shaping policy, getting involved in projects? What are some opportunities like that? Yeah, a great way after you join a chapter to get involved more deeply in the UNA network and to feel more connected to the work of the UN. I'll mention two specific mechanisms. One is we have our UNA affinity groups, which are subgroups of UNA members that want to tackle a certain issue. So we have UNA women, UNA LGBT, UNA uh, human rights, UNA educators. So those are folks that are working on particular issue areas of the UN, but then we also have opportunities for our members to attend conferences hosted by the UN that are open to civil society organizations with a special recognized status, which UNA USA has. And so because of that, we're able to send UNA delegates to attend these conferences and young professionals are a really important part of many of these delegations. For example, right now the Commission on Status of Women is happening. Uh, we're able to send delegates to that each year. Right now, virtual, so even more people than ever can get involved. But in years when we'll see how the UN approaches it in the future, whether it's fully in person or a hybrid approach. But when it is fully in person, you do need, not everyone can just walk into the UN doors. You have to have a pass. You need to have a reason to be there. And so we make sure that our members have that opportunity to be part of those discussions and to shape how civil society, nonprofit organizations are represented in the discussions that are happening in that space. Mm. So that's amazing. And I think that's a great opportunity for young professionals. I mean, so many people, they get the time maybe uh, after they graduate college and they really want to give back. And I think this is just such, just such an amazing way. Um, you mentioned the way that civil society works and these policies are shaped. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that works? I mean, it seems so abstract and so big to a lot of us right we're like you know this is the place where the stakeholders meet we see the giant pictures at the un and we wonder you know how how does it actually go down this up beyond the speeches that happen and we all sort of share on social media yeah i think a best practice at the un when when these different groups can come together like una members representatives from other private sector or other ngos is we're sharing what is working and what's not working in our communities and we're learning from each other. And I think that really helps to shape progress on the sustainable development goals to not just hear about in theory, 
what high level officials want to implement in their countries, but what people on the ground, the activists on the ground, the implementers of programs on the ground, what they're actually experiencing. And again, what is working and what's not working. So sharing that through, for example, I'll talk about the Youth Climate Action Summit that happened mm -hmm. in 2019. First kind of convening of all young people to talk about climate action that happened at the UN and where young people were able to present their solutions, their resolutions, their um, ideas for mm -hmm. where they need more resources and ask for UN officials and other high-level leaders who were at that summit mm -hmm. to give them ideas of, of where they need to maybe tweak their programming, tweak their messaging. I think mm -hmm. messaging is huge, especially when it comes to climate action. We need more information on how the science is, is so important mm -hmm. and how we talk about the science, not just as this ex existential threat, but something we need to take action on now. I think you can get into uh, a battle of, you know, if it's too negative, people will feel discouraged and not want to take action. Or if it's too abstract, they'll just think of it as a problem for later and not for now. And so I think young people are leading on how to talk about that issue in a really, in a way that implements the high level priorities like the Paris Climate Agreement. They're mm -hmm. the ones really talking about that on the ground. That, that's amazing. So it's sort of a dialogue between all these different groups of people and uh, you're I mean, it's very difficult. First of all, messaging is, is one of the hardest things to get right because, I mean, you're speaking to how many different audiences? Thousands, maybe? You know, different groups and subgroups and different types of people. So I, I know it could be um, a very difficult process. Um, so I know, you know we you just touched on, you know, how the process works. But um, I'd like to hear about your experience in being involved in those spaces. How is it when you're trying to work on these projects and how is it engaging with stakeholders? I mean, it sounds uh, daunting on one level and it sounds exciting on one level. Something I really try to prioritize in my work is I think more people are paying attention to youth voices, but I want to make sure to hold that door open. They may be looking outside the door and saying, yeah, I think we want to let a few in mm -hmm. uh, to the table. And I'm trying through my work to say, that's great. That's a great start. But how can we hold the door open for more and more people of different backgrounds, different perspectives uh, who may not have known, again, like you're saying, that this was even an option to be in this space and have their voices heard in this space. So it's it's twofold. It's raising awareness among young people about these opportunities, but it's also at the same time making sure those opportunities aren't just surface level or one-off opportunities but things that can be sustainable over time and really will be heard and make a difference. And I think, again, on that, per on that point, something our youth observer to the UN heard a lot when he was doing his listening tour at the beginning of his term was that it's not just about making sure youth voices are heard, but that they're given the resources to act on it. I mm -hmm. think sometimes as an older, I've seen older generations clap and applaud the work of young mm -hmm. people but then turn the other way versus yeah. applaud that, hold that up, elevate it, and then give them the boost and the resources they need to keep going. And mm -hmm. I think that's where we're really, as administrators in the space, as staff in the space, I really view my role as continuing to advocate for those resources. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a powerful point. I mean, I think young people are in this space right now where there's so much energy and they really want to get involved, but the doors 
are not opening up in a lot of uh, spaces, right? There's spaces to serve, spaces of leadership where young people would excel amazingly, right? They have the tools, the knowledge, um, but they're not uh, given the opportunity yet. Um, so what, what's sort of your advice to young people that want to get involved in this work and, um, and not only on a local level, but also on sort of a global scale? Yeah, I think to start off, one great way to, to get your voice heard and, and to get that seat at the table, one is through intergenerational partnerships. You do need your allies. You do need your mentors who can help make sure that your, your issues are put on the agenda and not put to the last bullet point on the agenda, mm -hmm. but put first or prioritize that you're given that, that time to, to share your voice and share your concerns. Um, mm -hmm. It also comes through, you have to continue to show up and, and do the work and show that you're committed because that is one challenge. And, and I do still see it with young people. Of course, there's a lot of different priorities going on when you're in college or uh, in high school. You have exams, you have uh, family, you have friends, and you have your, your NGO work that you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes you're only, again, in those spaces for two to four years. And so how can you show that you're not just building something that you're going to contribute to, but that people after you will contribute to? And I think that's what's going to make people more interested in working with you is when you show that this isn't just a one-time investment you're making. By choosing me to work with, you're empowering others. You're going to see a long-term change, not just a short-term change. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when you can demonstrate that commitment, you're going to continue to build your credibility in this space. Mm -hmm. When you work with intergenerational allies, you're going to make sure that people know about your work and that mm -hmm. you have uh, someone else to help lift you up. And then uh, you have to just continue developing your own skill set on the side. Again, my way of doing that was through a lot of volunteer work. If there's a gap on your resume, when you want to go off and do this work, like you said, globally or as a career, not just mm -hmm. as a volunteer activity, uh, you may identify when you're looking at that job description, oh, they're looking for this skill and I might not have that yet. You don't have to necessarily do that in your job. You could go be the social media manager for a UNA chapter and build mm. your skill that way. You might be able to go plan events for your local alumni association and build mm. your skill that way. So find other ways to fill those gaps and then you're going to keep building your resume in a lot of different ways and building your networks along the way too, that will get you in that position to do that as a potential career. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I think that's such a, such a powerful point. And, um, uh, you know, you know, I, I remember when I was younger, it's sort of an exploration phase, right? Everything is so new and you sort of dabble in one area or the one area, and then you finally sort of find one place to commit. Um, and it's always a challenge, right? Because at the same time, when you get involved in something, you're trying to find uh, find your own voice. You're trying to understand um, who you will really want to be. Um, but commitment is key, right? The worst thing you want to do is get involved and then let people down that are relying on you. So you, um, so I, I do think it's important for young people, like you mentioned, uh, to show up, stay committed, and and get involved and uh, let the path sort of guide you. I mean, I think um, sometimes we might not see where it might exactly lead us, um, but you're gaining so much on the way. You're learning learning from other people's experiences um, and just, you know, take it as a learning opportunity, uh, which is amazing. Um, I think, um, you know, this is all amazing work that you're doing uh, with the UN USA. Um, what, what are some 
um, programs they can get involved with immediately? Is there a website they can go to, social media? How do they just say they hear this today and they say, I'm inspired. I want to get involved. What do they do? Yeah, whether you're a student or an educator or a mentor for students, there's lots of different opportunities with UNA USA on our website, unausa.org slash join uh, is more information on membership. Membership is free for anyone 25 years and younger uh, and a small fee for anyone who's in that young professional range. And we have lots of different programs for you, whether it's our upcoming week of action in June or our ongoing Emerging Leaders Fellowship or Global Engagement Online Series webinars, which are free and open to the public. Uh, lots of ways to get involved in a learning basis to educate yourself about the UN and also to take action and get involved more deeply, whether that's as a volunteer or a future career. That's, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining me today. Um, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and the UN USA is doing. I think it's so uh, important. And, you know, in the past, uh, before I knew too much about the sustainable development goals, I just sort of, you know, glossed it over and I, I thought it had nothing. To, it was something that had nothing to do with me. But now almost everything I do, I try to work towards those goals and sort of fit it within those brackets because I want to make a change uh, that's involving everyone. Right. We want to make a, a global impact and I sort of start thinking of, you know, local work globally. It's like, you know, there's zero hunger, poverty, these things that they are working on in our community. You know, how can we get involved in the global conversation, uh, which is something that I've been, you know, very interested in. And I'm uh, grateful to be uh, connecting with you on these issues. So uh, thank you so much. And uh, thank you for joining us today at The Boz Show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you guys for listening to The Boz Show. Make sure to subscribe, like, comment, and share.